Happy Easter, Reach Church. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Oh, man. Uh, so if kids want to head out to reach kids now, then go ahead and do that. And the other thing is, if you have the connection pads in front of you, you can grab those. You're going to sign that. Um, that's our way of staying connected with you um, and getting you connected to this community. So you can go ahead and fill that out. And join me in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are astounded by your love for us in Jesus Christ. Father, in and of ourselves, we have earned for ourselves only death. And we have earned for ourselves um, your judgment and your wrath. But Father, instead, you gave us the cross. You gave us yourself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God crucified. And you gave us resurrection life in him. And Father, you gave us uh, an abundance of mercy. And so, Father, would you use this time to, to press into our hearts the reality of what your resurrection means for us, the extent of the grace that you have given us in Jesus, and the, the beauty of the resurrection life that we have in him. Father, would you use this time that we'd have great joy, and Father, would, would live the Christian life with great joy, that even as we sacrifice, we look forward to a resurrection. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, Christ is risen. All right, all right. We can't say that enough. That, that's really important. That's an important part of this day. Um, so, uh, we've been going through the letter of Romans. We've been going, going through it, 11 chapters through Romans. Uh, and we've seen, we've seen day in and day out that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by the work of Jesus on the cross that we are saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we're focusing on that resurrection part of the work of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is indeed alive, that he has been victorious over sin, that he gives us the life that he has found in the resurrection. And my hope for today is that, that we'd connect to the, the meaning of the resurrection, Robbie. <laughs> the, the meaning of the resurrection. Um, we can get excited about the resurrection, but it's a, it's a personal thing for us. That yes, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, but this should inform every single day of our lives. That we live as resurrection people, resurrection lives, looking for the resurrection to come. And so that's going to be our focus this morning, is that the meaning of the resurrection... Uh, in, in kind of three stages. So first, what would it mean if Jesus had not been resurrected, if he had not raised from the dead? What it means that he did? And finally, what, what that means for our lives, how we respond to that resurrection. All right? Ultimately, we want to find resurrection life in Christ. And that's, that's what we're looking for. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We'll get to Romans uh, a little bit later. But we're going to uh, spend most of the time in 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 15, verses 17 through 28. 1 Corinthians 15, looking at verses 17 through 28.
And read along with me. This is God's word. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in submission under his feet. When it says all things in submission, it is plain that he is exempted, who put all things in subjection under him. But all things are subjected to him, that the Son himself may be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. It's a little confusing at the end part. Well, don't worry about that. <laughs> God all in all part is the most important. So, I'm with you there. Uh, <laughs> all right, first... First, what would it mean if there were no resurrection? What would it mean if there were no resurrection? And that's where we often focus on the cross. We focus on the cross, that that is the penalty for sins, that that is Christ died for us. But the other side of that is that without the re resurrection, this cross is meaningless. It is meaningless. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 17. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Without the resurrection of Jesus, you are still in your sin. Now that's where we, we can think that, okay, Jesus died for sin. He paid the penalty. It's complete. But without the resurrection, that, it isn't complete. Because what Jesus was doing, Jesus was paying the penalty for sin. That he was dying to satisfy the, the wrath of the Father that we all deserve. The judgment of the Father that we all deserve. And if Jesus had died and stayed dead, it would have communicated not salvation to us. It would have communicated that, that Jesus had failed. That the cross was not enough. That God was not satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus. And that, that death was still hungry in a sense. And that death demanded more and more and more. That death could not be defeated. It had swallowed Christ and, and it will swallow each of us. If Christ is not resurrected, there is no salvation. The payment for sin was not enough. And that's where, that's where we remember that the only way we can be saved, the only way we can find life is in the resurrected Jesus Christ. The resurrected Jesus Christ. The Jesus who died for sin, satisfied the Father's debt, and was raised to life. 
That's the only way there is to find life. And if you don't have faith in a, in a living, resurrected Savior, you are still in your sin. Now, there's two ways that we can kind of have a, a dead Savior, a Savior that, that has not resurrected. The first way is works, right? If our faith is still in our works, if we are still trying to satisfy the debt we have with God, we are treating Jesus as if he is still dead. That Jesus did not raise to life, that God was not satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we owe it to ourselves to work really hard and get God to be satisfied with us. And so we, we respond to our sin with kind of trivial good works or elaborate good works. And we kill ourselves and we sacrifice. We feel guilty and shameful for the, the things that we have committed and we think that we're holier for it. And the reality is that, no, we're, we're just saying that Jesus Christ's death and resurrection was not enough. That we don't find life in him, we're going to find life in ourselves. And the reality is that our good works are dead. Our good works are dead. All right, think of this week. Think of this week. Were your good works alive or dead? Would they, would they earn you eternal life? No. <laughs> no, not at I Desperately no. You're, you probably tried really hard this week. I bet you did. Some of you did. Some of you tried really hard. And I bet <laughs> others of you probably didn't. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's probably true too. Um, we'll get to you. Um, <laughs> but you probably, like those who tried, you probably saw your your deeds come alive and then drop dead in the water. They died. I had, I, was, I had a day off with Casey this week, and like, I just wanted it to like, oh, just like, it'll be a really great day. No, I was just so selfish the whole time. And I couldn't shake it. It was like, no, we have to go to a doctor's appointment, like day off ruined. And like, it just one after the other, I couldn't, couldn't muster it. Our good works are dead. And if we're putting our faith in our, our good works, we have a dead Savior. We have a dead Savior. Dead good deeds are not going to save you. You need a living Savior. All right, what about, what about the people who, you weren't living for trying to please God this week. Uh, you were putting your faith in the world. In in the life that this world has to offer. Now, what does that look like? You're climbing the ladder, you're living for, for sex, fame, money, power, just to be a normal person that's good enough. The reality is that that is a dead savior too. That we can kind of distract ourselves and say that, okay, no, this is life, this is life, this is life. All of those things are going to perish. All of those things are going to die in the end. So if you're, if you're still holding on to, to beauty and sex appeal and youth, like, that's going to die first. <laughs> for, for many of you, that's already died. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm balding, so I, I, I'm in that category. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, died a little while ago. Um, 
All right, what else? like your, your influence and your power. Sooner or later, people aren't going to care what you think. They're not going to ask you anymore. Sooner or later, all of the wealth that you have gained is going to be given to someone else. That even the, the name that you have for yourself, the, the honor that you have mustered in some sense, you will be forgotten. You will be forgotten. And you'll realize, and God will show you, that those saviors are dead. That they are dead and they are dying, and if you're honest with yourself, you are watching them die. We need living saviors. And there's only one, Jesus Christ. If Jesus, is, if Jesus is dead, there is no other Savior out there, and we are dead in our sin. And we have no hope. All right. That's not a very optimistic hypothetical, because Jesus is alive, right? That's why we say he is risen, right? He's in your need. All right, good, good. All right, all right. we get it, we get it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but, if that hope in Christ is merely for, for this life, is merely for this life, and we're looking for, for the blessings and promises of the life in Jesus right here in this life, that is equally dead. Equally dead. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Most to be pitied. So if our hope in the life of Jesus is for this life in this time period, then we are pitied by the world. Because what, what is this Christian life demanding of us? What's the expectation? That we would die with Christ. That we would die with Christ. That we would be persecuted with him. That we suffer on behalf of others that we pick up our cross and bear it daily, that we give our life to other people, that we, we run from, from temporary pleasures and, and the things of the world and, and die to those things. Now, if the only reason you're, you're in Christ and living for Jesus is for this life, you're going to be disappointed. And there, there's no promise. There's no promise that says, well, this life is just going to be wonderful. No, that's not the promise. And if that's where you're looking for life in Christ, you are going to be disappointed. And you're ultimately, you're treating Jesus like he's still dead in a sense. That you want him to be alive in the world, but you don't care that he's alive actually in, the, in heaven now and working spiritual things in a spiritual realm, in a spiritual kingdom, that Jesus is still dead. All right, how, how, does, how does that look? Um, I see that I'm living that way when I'm like bitter or resentful towards God. We start to see this when we, we see the life that's expected of us and we, we push back against God and we start resenting God, and we, we don't want to serve him, 
that's when we realize it, we've, gotten, we've gotten the perspective wrong. We're expecting the life that Christ has for us in this one. In this one. A temporary life. And temporary blessings and promises now but not later. Thankfully, Jesus has better promises in mind. And he's working better things. All right. Jesus is not dead. And we cannot treat him like he is dead. We cannot live a life of works. We cannot live for the the life that is here that is perishing. We look to the life that is in Christ in the resurrection. And let's look at that now. Look Look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. All right, so Christ has been raised from the dead. Some of you don't actually believe that. Some of you don't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Um, I had a whole second sermon, which I won't give today. Um, that was basically like the, the proofs for the resurrection. That if you're looking at what explains history, what explains the, the belief that all of a sudden a bunch of Jews who believed in one God suddenly came to believe in a resurrected Savior and started worshiping him, that if that really happened, how do we explain it? And it did happen. They, they did have that belief. How do we explain it? The only real answer is the resurrection of Jesus, the true resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you, if you don't believe that, or you're interested in, in knowing kind of the foundational things of the faith, talk to me. Please talk to me. I want to have that discussion more. We're not going to have that today, but um, we are not asked to just throw our faith into, into a void. We believe in real things because... They're reasonable to believe them. And there's lots and lots of proof that Jesus rose from the dead. So, but what does it mean if Jesus rose from the dead? If he rose from the dead, what does it really mean? Well, the Bible uses uses this, this odd phrase. It means then he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First of all, this fallen asleep part. Um, that's not just a euphemism. That's, that's the, the death is not death for those who are in Christ. It is a sleep. It is a temporary. It's, it's just waiting until we're, we're woken up with Christ. But then there's this, this phrase, the, the first fruits. The first fruits. All right. What are the first fruits? This is harvest language. Harvest language. All right, so you plant your, you plant your field, and you bet your life on the fact that that's, that field is going to produce something or else you're dead. All right? And the first thing that pops up is the first fruits. This is the, the crop that ripens earliest. Now, if those first fruits are dead, you are dead. It means that you messed up somewhere along the way. You're froze. Your crop froze, your crop... I don't know. I don't know how this works. Died in some sense. Uh, <laughs> some of you might know better than I do. I, most of you probably. Um, all right, so the first fruit is, is a sign of what's to come. 
is a sign of what's to come. And if your first fruits are good, there's a promise of this, this bountiful harvest to come. Now, how is Jesus the first fruits? Jesus is the first resurrected of, of the humanity that is going to be resurrection. He's the first man of eternal life in a harvest of life. That he is the sign and the proof that there is life and there is life that is coming for all those who are part of that harvest. All right. Now, why is that the case? Why is that the case? Verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all are made alive, and each is in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. All right, theology time, theology. All right. Theology means complicated God talk, so focus. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, we have, we have, we're all going to die. We're all going to die, we know that. Um, there's proof of that. Um, you guys all know. So, why is that the case? Why is that the case? Because we're all in Adam. Adam, that first man, he killed us all. He killed us all. And he chose to sin. He chose death. And we get to choose death alongside of him. That we are there with him and we all died in Adam a long, long time ago. That death came from one man. Thankfully, there's a, there's a second a second man, a second first fruits, a second first humanity in Jesus. And what the scripture is saying is that just like you died with Adam, you can live with Jesus. That you can live with Jesus, that his life can become your life. That you are united with Jesus, so everything Jesus does, you have done. So you already died to sin, and you already rose to life and glory in Christ. That's what faith in Christ means. That you're putting faith that his work becomes your work. That his death became your death, his life became your life. That is how you become the first fruits. Because he's alive, and if you're in him, you're going to be alive as well. That's how it works. Now, why do we care? Why do we care? We care because of verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he's put his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That Jesus Christ, he is... He is moving us towards the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, in some senses, the kingdom of God is really scary. Because everything is in subjection to God. That God is on top of the kingdom of God. He gets to be king. We do not get to be king. And, and that's scary for us. Because we want to rule. We want to be in control. But then, we start to learn about the kingdom. All right, what's his kingdom like? 
First of all, what's the, what's the king like in the kingdom? The king in this kingdom is the God of grace. The God who would come and die for you, who would come and suffer for you, who would give you, who hates him, a new heart that you would love him, who gives you mercy and who, who just adores us. It says that he sings over us with songs, that he just full on delights in us. That is the king of the kingdom. And I feel kind of like gushy and weird talking about it, but like, that's the, the point is to, to bask in the love that God the Father has for us. And it will be a kingdom centered upon that truth. All right, so yes, we have to be submitted to our king, but this is, this is a good king who actually loves us in a love that you have never experienced. You've never experienced, even from the most loving person you've ever met. That is the kingdom. All right. And what's this, what's this kingdom about? Um, this is a resurrection kingdom. We have a resurrected king. We have a resurrected kingdom. All right. What does that mean? This is not a, a redo kingdom. This is not a restart kingdom. This is a resurrection kingdom. Which means that we take everything, everything that's junk here and it's resurrected and it's renewed. It's restored. It's remade. Um, death, what does death want to do? Death wants to destroy everything. Death wants to destroy everything. And we think, we, we think the same thing about God, that God just wants to destroy the planet and start again. All right, that would be death winning. That is death's agenda, not, not God's. God is not destroying the world. God is resurrecting the world. And in the kingdom, the kingdom is going to be here. It's going to be here. It's going to be with us. We're going to know each other. It's, it's going to be physical and tangible. We're not floating around like angels playing harps on clouds. It's actually going to be fun. All right, so uh, what, do, what do you enjoy most doing here? There's going to be a chance to do it in heaven. That if you like going out into nature, you delight in that, there will be, Bora Bora will still be here. <laughs> and you can still go there, and it's going to be even better than it was before. All right? Now, if you love the city, and you love the skyscrapers, they're going to be better engineered, they're going to be more beautiful, more green. It'll be, it'll be amazing. And we will love the things of, of heaven. That we'll have real relationships with one another. We will grow and we will learn. We'll get to do normal things like eating food and drinking things and, and walking in parks. It's suited for us. It's not made for angels. It's made for us. And we're going to like it. Right. But most of all, who's going to be there? We're going to see God the Father, his face shining upon us. Like the, the embodiment of love and of acceptance and of grace and of joy and of pleasure and of power. 
And we're going to stand before him and worship and worship and worship. And we're going to be so redeemed that we actually will like that. (laughs) We won't get bored. We'll delight in the most amazing being in the world. That's where, that's where it's bad theology to say that we just wipe this slate clean and start another earth. We just destroy everything and make it this kind of fluffy cloud world. No. He's resurrecting. That Jesus resurrected to be a resurrected kingdom and to be our resurrected king. And on that day, death, death will be defeated. Death will be no more. Every tear will be wiped away. That's where we're going. And that path is, is guaranteed in Jesus. It's guaranteed in Jesus. He already did the work. He already did the first fruits. The harvest is coming, and it is guaranteed to all who have faith in Christ. All right. All right, last point, last point. All right, focus up, focus up. Uh, this is from Romans, Romans. So let's turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. Uh, just one book before this one, so pretty close. Romans 12, we're reading one verse, uh, so sorry, uh, made you turn there, but Romans 12, 1. Now this comes after 11 chapters, 11 chapters of talking about the gospel. And we've been going through all 11 chapters here, and we've been talking about what the gospel is. What is the work of Jesus? What is his grace? What has he done? And now in chapter 12, for the first time, we get what we're supposed to do. Makes a shift and says, okay, now what? What am I asking you to do in response to this gospel? This is Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So in response to the the mercy of God in Jesus, the death of Jesus and his resurrection, we are to be a living sacrifice. That our whole life is supposed to be a dying to ourselves, a sacrificing of ourselves for the glory of God. Now, uh, what are we called to sacrifice? We're called to sacrifice our hopes, our goals, our, our dreams, our joys, our comforts, our jobs, our families, our wants, our needs, our, our pleasures, everything, everything. And then Paul says, what is this? What is this? Once you, once you sacrifice everything, that is your spiritual worship. All right, there should be a little, a little letter next to that. Spiritual worship. There should be a tiny little letter. For those who have classes, you can see it. Uh, this is a complicated thing to, to explain. Your spiritual worship. All right, it's, this is a fuller term than we can explain in, in just a few words. This is, this is kind of the representation of the whole sacrificial system, everything that we do. And another way of saying this is, this is your reasonable response, your rational response. That if, if the gospel is true, 
This is the only reasonable and rational response to the reality that you just heard. Is to die to everything that you love and give up everything to give your whole life. Now, how is that the only reasonable and rational response to the gospel? Because, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, and I think that sounds extreme. I think that sounds like way too much. And Jesus already died. Why do I have to die? Wasn't the whole point that I didn't have to die? I just want a kingdom that's all about me and all about pleasure, and that sounds great. That's kind of what heaven sounds like, so let's go. All right, why is he asking us to die? Why is he asking us to sacrifice ourselves as living sacrifices? I'm going to say because because of the, the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. That actually, the more that we sacrifice, the more that we die to ourselves, the more resurrection life we'll have. So take your family. We tend to make our families all about us and our glory, that we're really good parents. Uh, If we die to that and sacrifice our family to Christ, it becomes resurrected. And it's resurrected that it's not about us anymore. It's about Christ. But suddenly there's a, a joy and a peace and a hope in that family. That it's not everyone warring against each other. It's, it's one family actually united on the worship of God. It's resurrected. It's restored. It's, it's made new. Take your job. Your job. What if you sacrifice your job to Christ? All right, so it's not about your glory anymore. It's not about your temporary pleasure. It's not about you getting to climb the ladder. But what does it become? It's resurrected and it becomes this opportunity to glorify God and to serve others. To have some kind of eternal purpose in this goofy job that you go to every day. Something that used to be your way of climbing ladder it suddenly becomes this way of, of, of glorifying God and finding eternal reward. All right, let's talk about your comfort. If you die to your comfort and you kill your comfort, what does God give you back? Eternal comforts. Real peace. The real assurance of knowing that, you know, I think I'm actually honoring God. And I have the comfort of knowing that, that he is with me. And that I'm, I'm under his wing and I'm protected. Now, that's something that Netflix is not going to give you. All right, finally, let's, let's, take, let's take hope. What if your hopes and dreams were sacrificed to Christ? What does he give you back? He gives you back resurrected hopes. Hopes and joys that, that cannot be broken, cannot be taken from you that your ultimate hope will be that you will be glorified with Christ. That your hope will be that that God is put on display in his great mercy. 
that your hope will be that, that everything is restored and renewed. And those are hopes that are unbreakable, unshakable, that never change. They're resurrected hopes. Now, did we do this well? Did we die to ourselves well? No. Do I do this well? No. No, I do this very poorly. And it's a painful process. And that's why I don't want, I don't want to act like this is... Um, it is dying. That's the whole point. It is dying with Christ. It is dying to ourselves, and it is painful. And more often than not, Jesus is killing these things. I'm not sacrificing them. That he knows better than I do, and he, he kills the idols of my heart. He takes away the things that I think I need. He, he kills them with Christ. And our role as believers is to have more and more faith that those things are going to be reborn and resurrected. That as those things die, they will, something else will replace them, something more beautiful, something better. And to say more quickly, your will be done, Father. And to remember more quickly that our hope is in Christ, not in ourselves, in our life. All right, this is where, this is where the resurrection actually means something for your life. Because every single day you are asked to die to yourself and to put other people first, to sacrifice for, for anyone but you. And, and we are called to do that and we're called to respond with, with hope in Christ, with hope in the resurrection. We can respond with resentment and bitterness. Our hope is in this life. Or can, we can respond with arrogance and saying that, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just great. I, I do sacrifice. I'm working harder than anyone else. That's your hope in your works. Ultimately, when we are called to, to sacrifice and to die to ourselves, we are, we are dying with Christ and looking for the resurrection in him. That's the power that you have to do this that we are not losing anything ultimately. We are finding life in Christ. And that we are finding eternal life and a more meaningful life, a more beautiful life as a result of every single death. So I'd ask you, uh, what are you still holding on to? What are you still hanging on to that has not been nailed to the cross and has not been resurrected? What are you still holding back from God? For some of you, it might be your entire life. That you refuse to die. The only way to live is to die with Christ and live with him. Put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. And finally, let's, let's worship him. Let's worship him as living sacrifices that we have life in him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I ask that we would count these things as, as light and momentary afflictions. 
Jesus, we know that you saw the, the cross and you responded with joy. For joy at the coming glory, for joy at, your, at the salvation that would come from the cross. And Father, I ask that we would see the Christian life as a life of joy. <clears throat> a life of, of joyously entering into the life that you have already earned for us. Father, we ask that you give us faith that day after day we are asked to, to die to ourselves and to sacrifice things that we will not get back in this life. And Father, would you give us great faith that the resurrection of Jesus is real, that you are bringing all things to new life and to restoration and to a resurrection kingdom through your resurrection king. Father, would you help us to seek that life in Christ and nowhere else? We pray in his name.